Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 8 Chicago Bears postgame show as the Bears fell to the New Orleans Saints 26-23 in overtime in a game that, even though it was close here at the final moments, I was uh, personally having myself uh, a little bit of doubts that the Bears would find a way to, to pull this one out, to say the least. I'm Eros Littlewit. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us were here to give you our instant analysis, reaction, and takeaway of this Chicago Bears loss as the Bears fall to now 5-3 and three on the year. Nick, as we kind of just kick off this postgame show, I want to know how you're feeling. I know we're trying to figure out when that Javon Wims uh, brawl kind of happened here in this game. And I told you I thought it happened in the first half. You're like, I thought it was in the second. Found out it happened almost midway through the third quarter, which almost feels like a lifetime ago as of right now. But how you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think that when that all happened, well, it kind of just threw me off in this game. Um, you know, just seeing something as malicious as what what Wims did, trying to again maybe defend a teammate for what was happening in a couple of plays previous. I get that, but you just can't do what he did. But yeah, just a lot. We saw a lot of the same issues on the offense, and we'll get into it. But the Bears lost. You can't be in that good of a mood. It was a close game, score wise, twenty six, twenty three, right? But it, it just didn't feel that way and I'm sure as we go through this conversation we'll we'll go into the the why try we'll we'll solve the why that Matt Nagy can never solve so we'll get into it and yeah just not feeling good though no we'll talk about everything but Nick one thing that really kind of stuck with me throughout the majority of this game was something that you mentioned in our preview was that this Bears defense almost needs to play a perfect game for this Bears team to win do you still feel that way after today I mean I felt like the Bears' offense definitely squandered some opportunities here late. Overtime is an obvious late squander, but I felt like you know holding the Saints to 26, even though it's a little bit more than we're used to seeing teams score against us, and the Bears' offense found some ways to score some points. I thought 
what you told me in the preview show kept just coming back into my head like you're right like any mistake by the Spurs defense was magnified more than any other defense that I feel like I've ever seen play the game of football before and then also every mistake this offense makes it too is uh it's not good <laughs> to say the least and I'm struggling to find a way to be uh you know very poetic with my words but sometimes it's uh a little bit more than that no, well, I mean, I was having that conversation with my dad. It's like the def- he kept saying, like, the defense is playing good. The defense is playing good, and they're playing well enough for the Bears to win. But you see this offense go out there and do what they do and, like you said, squander away opportunities. That's exactly what they did. I, you give this, you give the Bears defense to any other team, and they're like, wow, how can't you win with this? Like, this is a great unit that's going to not bend, not break. And we saw a couple of those those plays that we'll get when we talk to defense, but still they played well enough to win this game. And the offense time and time again, just kept making those same mistakes to where it didn't even matter how good they were playing. And they give up, they're going to give up plays. It's they're, they're not a perfect unit. Like they can't be a lead on every single drive, but they are pretty close to it sometimes. And they still come away with losses, which is so frustrating as a Bears fan I'm sure it's just a team to see that kind of wasted effort go into the loss column I'm frustrated Nick are you frustrated oh absolutely well I mean I mean this is a game that I had them losing so I guess I win in in that regard right in the little little bet that we have and I was Mm -hmm. I was actually worried about that I thought about that big game like (laughs) uh uh-oh uh-oh Will Will's out of something but of course I am like this was a winnable game and the Saints were a beatable team and the Bears obviously came on the wrong end here and could have, with Green Bay losing too, this would have been a huge opportunity for the Bears to just take a one-up. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. In the NFC and the NFC North, but they failed to do that tonight. Two weeks in a row, Nick. Two weeks in a row, the Bears had an opportunity to uh, not just extend a lead or really proclaim that they can lead this division, and uh, they fall short. Uh, which as a fan is uh, is disheartening. But let's go ahead and uh, let's jump into our uh, first quarter of the show. Let's talk about our monster moments of the game. And in a game like this, Nick, there's a lot of little areas you can probably nitpick at. For me, though, I think the biggest moment of the game has to come in overtime with this Bears offense. Defense starts overtime. They get a stop. Bears offense comes out. They get a a third and 15 conversion. Uh, Luckily, there was a penalty on uh, New Orleans that was declined. But really, the big one was uh, uh, Foles to A-Rob for 17 yards on that third and 15. Uh, After the fact, you have uh, two incomplete passes in a row, third and 10 at our own 31. Nick Foles gets sacked, uh, having to punt that thing away. And after that point, uh, it really was uh, all Saints from there, Uh, seven plays, 52 yards. And, of course, the game-winning field goal. But for the Bears in overtime on offense, Nick, to go six plays, <laughs> eight yards, three minutes off the clock to go eight yards. Uh, to me, again, there, there are some really good plays, and I'll talk about them on each side of the ball as we kind of go through this post-game show. But with the game on the line, with it tied up at 23, 
you have the ball. The defense did its job to kind of kick off overtime because you lose the toss. And for the offense to just go as flat as they did, uh, as quickly as they did, to pretty much go from first and 10 to third and 10 to fourth and 14 in a matter of, again, three minutes and you gain eight yards. Uh, to me, the offense had a chance to win the game. They didn't need to score a touchdown. Santos was kicking really well this entire game despite the weather, and they couldn't do anything. Uh, so for me, again, maybe not the biggest moment, like, like wow, but like for me, biggest moment in terms of you had the game in your hand, in your grasp, and they just found a way to kind of squander it, which I think squander is going to be my word of the postgame show. I feel like we always have one or two that kind of stick with us. Uh, that's going to be mine, no doubt about it. But that's going to be my monster moment of the game. Where are you looking, Nick? Again, I thought there were some other really good moments, but when you look at how this game was playing out, that's an opportunity that they kind of just let fall to the wayside that uh, it's going to have me uh, probably staying up tonight a little later than I like. Yeah, and, you know, with this, Will, I I don't know, for the last last week I kind of chose a positive one, but for me seeing that 51-yard field goal going for Cairo Santos after he was iced the first time, Sean Payton calls a timeout, and then seeing him nail it. And you, we both had similar kind of tweets. Uh, me, I think, the clutch or ice in his veins, like that whole um, aspect to it. And that was – it gave the Bears an opportunity, the opportunity that you were just talking about that they squandered away – that he made that field goal to even put them in that position. So I'll go there because you knew the Bears, if, whatever the coin toss was, if the Bears defense was going to get it, at least there was going to be an opportunity. I knew that. I just felt like there was going to be, given how they were playing today, even though they had given up some touchdown drives. That happens. But I knew the Bears offense would get an opportunity, and it all starts with that Cairo Santos 51-yard field goal. So I'll go with that. It doesn't obviously lead. It leads the Bears to get to that opportunity doesn't result in the win obviously but then it goes right into your monster moment those next couple of plays for bad drops and just wasting opportunities to, to really capitalize on what the defense had given them and it's unfortunate will it really is yeah you had a chance and nick we usually can easily put the blame on offense but that's like a clear-cut way to do so probably more than some of the other games this season uh, we'll talk about the offense, uh, the ups, the downs, and everything in between here in just a little moment. But first, I do need to let you know that our monster moment of the game is brought to you by our friends over at Miller Lite. And it's always Miller time in Chicago. And no, I'm not talking about Zach Miller scaring Mitchell Trubisky on Halloween. The Bears and Miller Lite, they are two iconic parts of Chicago and go together just naturally. So even if there, you know, there are no fans today at Soldier Field, don't forget, it's still Miller time. And since you can't be at the field, I'm curious, where do you find yourself enjoying Miller time during a game? Is it your man cave, your living room, out in the garage? Uh, for me, it's my living room. I know, Nick, right now for you it's the same. But however you're watching the game, it's always better with a Miller Lite, which is the only beer of the Chicago Bears. So here's to the Bears. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. No matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up a Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Alrighty, you're listening to Chicago Audible. This is our week 8 postgame show. Bears fall to the Saints 26-23 in overtime. 
And we're going to jump right into the second quarter of our postgame show, which is a discussion all about the Chicago Bears offense. And Nick, early on in this game, we lost Bobby Massey, so you're down 60% of your starting offensive line uh, that we began the season with. Uh, we did have some very valid concerns with this unit heading into the game. And before we dive into all the specific, uh, specifics and everything of that nature, uh, just to kind of open things off, did they play better than you thought they would in general before we kind of start, I would say, ripping them apart for some of the other uh, issues that we did see? Because for me, uh, as much as we were worried about this offensive line, and then Bobby Massey goes down and my uh, my worry level went up another, not tenfold, but another degree. I thought they moved the ball more than I was anticipating. But did they exceed your expectations too? I know you had the Bears losing, but I'm curious if that's the case or not. Yeah, I would say so. Well, when you have Rashad Coward at one point in the game playing right tackle because the backup right tackle gets injured, and then you have Alex Barr, there's a whole shift in this whole entire offensive line. At, at this point, you're thinking, how is Nick Foles going to even have the opportunity to throw a pass? But he had time at times to, to actually throw, and David Montgomery was working, still working for a lot of his yards. Uh, but I think with given all the backups and how bad they had played in the past couple of weeks, they, they did exceed my expectations. That's not a high bar to set. Let's just establish no, that. It's not a high bar to set, but they did play better than what I was seeing. You look at the names on that front five, you're thinking the worst is going to come. This is going to be the worst blocking that we've seen all season, but that wasn't really the case. There was obviously still some bad moments, but I will agree with you, Will. They they did exceed my expectations. Not a high bar, though. No, it, and that's the sad part, where you can set the bar so low, and they play as average as they did today and it felt like a pretty proficient offensive attack and I think that's probably uh, the biggest issue that I'm seeing so far again this defense from the Saints entered the game the 29th defense on third down Uh, the Bears of course were pretty poor on their own end and the Bears found a way to convert on 33 percent of their third downs which is not good uh, to say the least Uh, that's still very far uh, down the barrel for uh, the NFL in terms of just general averages. And then in terms of just getting into the red zone, uh, the Bears were at 50%. But I think the bigger problem is that is, uh, you know, they ran only three less plays than New Orleans. Uh, they ran 69 plays compared to the Saints' 72. Um, but they only found the uh, the red zone uh, half the time. The, the Bears found themselves inside the 20 twice compared to the New Orleans Saints finding themselves inside the 24 times in this game. Uh, Nick, for me, it was one of those where uh, I thought I saw some good things from this offense um, from time to time, whether it be early on in this game when you have a third and eight and you're able to pick it up rushing the ball, which was a great counter. I think everyone and their mother thought the Bears were going to pass that one. They actually handed it off to Montgomery, uh, was able to kind of offset that obvious passing down, get a first down. Very first play of the game, they kind of ran a heavy set too. And I was like, oh, yeah easily the Bears are going to start this thing with a run and they actually passed it so they tried to break some tendencies they did some motion some misdirection uh, that we've been kind of missing on this offense that we saw the Rams do really well last week Uh, what are some of the good things that you saw from this Bears offense because to me there were some items 
It's hard, though, because I do take it with a grain of salt, just knowing how poor this Saints defense has been in terms of keeping teams out of the red zone, scoring in the red zone, and really, in particular, third down. Again, the Saints defense on third down, third worst in the NFL entering the week, and the Bears really couldn't capitalize on that um, as much as I was hoping. Again, you see what the Bears were able to do on third down. There were a few really good conversions, which got me excited, and then I check my notes and kind of remember, and it dawns on me, like, oh, this thing's defense hasn't been good on third down uh, all season long. But as we kind of get into this offense discussion, let's start with the positive before we start looking at some of the, the perhaps negatives. Yeah, so I think looking at pauses from this offense, and surprisingly there are some, which we couldn't have said just a couple of weeks ago, but I just look at the first drive, how they even handle that. It ends in a field goal. But what they were doing, and you mentioned it, Will, a lot of that motion, that misdirection, and even some, some hurry-up, up-tempo things, you could build off of that and utilize that into you know each drive, not just on one where then you eventually get away from it, but those kind of elements. I think right now for this Bears team, yes, they still struggle at times to even get lined up correctly, and they have still delay games. We'll talk about Nick Foles in a little bit, but... I think those kind of elements that you could sprinkle into an offensive game plan need to be there more often. We saw it just on the first drive, and I really like seeing that. And, you know, we were tweeting at each other, Will, saying, hey, they learned from the Rams. Oh, well, yeah, they did. And you should because they run, I think, a good scheme. And they're just a little bit more explosive plays in this one as well. You think of the Darnell Mooney play, the, the touchdown to Allen Robinson, the big run by David Montgomery. So these explosive plays that also weren't there. So... And you got to set those up. And tempo, misdirection, play action are things to do that. And they're doing that with a put-together offensive line. So I'll give Nagy some credit there for being able to kind of switch it up a little bit. But those are definitely things I want to continue to see. Not just this game plan against the Saints that we see on the other side are doing a lot of the same things and having success put up 26 points, right? So if we could see more of those types of types of plays. I love when Mooney goes from the left side of the field, motions right out in the flat. That's seven to eight yards, like almost every time. He's, yeah, he's it's just open. Money. It's easy plays. So things like that, Will, I like. They could build off, and you could take this throughout a season. Maybe, maybe Will, develop an identity. Who knows? But that, that might be far, far out of the, the equation at this point. Uh, but those are things that I did like seeing from the Bears offense throughout the game. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, that one drive that the Bears had there in the first half where they went uh, pretty much the length of the field, it felt like. But it was a touchdown drive and uh, 75 yards, and it didn't take them many plays to get it done. I mean, it the was – The four-play drive, 80-yard uh, – the yeah, four-play, 80-yard four, drive. Four yeah. plays, 80-yard drives. You hit the bomb to Mooney. You run it with Monty. You hit A-Rob in the end zone. And that's a drive that gets me excited about what kind of day we could have and still we're here for the Bears. It was like, oh, cool. We actually can have explosive plays. Like We have not seen those at all. And um, I love the Bears' mentality to push it deep downfield. And, Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like the Bears were trying to do a few more of those as the game kind of wore on. But it was really uh, the offensive line's inability to kind of hold that pocket to allow Foles to kind of allow some of those plays to develop. Is that your assessment as well? Again, the game just ended as we we're doing this post game. We can't watch the all 22, but it seemed like he was holding onto the ball. I mean, he was sacked five times today, trying to allow something to happen downfield that just wasn't able to develop. And again, you're down 60% of your offensive line, which uh, sounds like an excuse. Perhaps it is an excuse. 
Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's just reality. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you uh, on that, Will. But there are also sometimes I think it was the last, uh, the maybe the second the last sack that Nick Foles took, where the Fox pregame they were kind of or the Fox postgame like they were showing the replay of it, right? And Darnell Mooney's a target. Nick Foles holding on, holding on, but it's never there. It's never there because the safety's over the top, and if Nick Foles even attempts to throw that, that should have been what his third interception. He had an interception dropped in this game, but yes, majority of those are just look. It's a it's a makeshift offensive line. Well, they can't block guys like Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport for that long to where they're going to eventually hit home. So yeah, that's and that's the problem that Matt Nagy has to deal with, and it's not easy for sure. But doing what we were just talking about, some of those positives can help to to get overcome the obviously deficient offensive line that they currently have right now yeah and i we need to talk about the third quarter uh, when it comes to this bears offense because uh it's still just uh so bad and i i need your take here because you start off the third quarter you get the ball uh you go five plays and you do gain a first down but then things kind of go backwards whether it's a penalty or nick full sack uh, but five plays, zero yards. You do take four minutes off the clock, um, but you go nowhere. Uh, after that fact, uh, the Saints were able to get a field goal. Bears get the ball back right away. Uh, interception. Saints get another field goal. Bears get the ball back on offense. Three plays, three yards, and you punt. You turn it over on downs. It's just, again, after the halftime break, it really feels like the Bears are just at a severe disadvantage. You go from... Uh, a 13 to 10 lead at half, and before the Bears can even blink, it's 23-13. Saints are putting up, you know, again 13 unanswered points. Uh, did you feel like the Bears were outplayed in the third quarter in terms of either being outcoached or just, well, honestly, just outperformed on the field as well? I know this is the same quarter that had the Javon Wims scuffle, uh, which still kind of it irritates me. Uh, he was my X factor, and you also had Anthony Miller, who was your X factor and I think you did a much better job of uh, figuring out which receiver was going to stand up of course Allen Robinson was able to play and when we did our preview show neither of us knew if he was going to play or not Uh, I think we're both very elated that he was and we'll talk about his game here in a little bit but uh, when it comes to the Bears uh, inability to do anything in the third quarter which is nothing new to us this season uh, did you feel like this was yet another game where Matt Nagy was just, uh, you know, outcoached, outmanned here in, uh, after halftime? Because to me, it really felt like it. It's felt like that all, all season, Will. They, it was recently where they actually scored their first points in the third quarter. I'm forgetting what team that actually was against because it hasn't happened very often. But that's what seems to be the commonality. When the Bears come out of halftime, I think their defense – Look, they've been a little bit more prone to give up some points in that third quarter, but they're still playing far, far better than what the offense is doing. And I have in my notes here, the first drive, that delay a game, third and four. And that's that's on Nick Foles, that's on the offense. It's like, you can't have that. Like, these things out of halftime, we're trying to build a drive together, and it's these dumb little plays that set you back. We've talked so many times, Will, where you get these this Bears team behind the chains, and if you put it third and four and then have the delay a game, you're putting yourself in a position to punt the ball, you know, right after that. And then the Foles takes a sack on the now third and long play. So it's like these kind of things in coming out of halftime where you're obviously not adjusting to what the defense is now doing. And that's on Matt Nagy. That's on Matt Nagy. That's all in coaching. That's why. And Nick Foles taking a delay a game. That's 
he's a veteran, so it's a lot. It's a lot of things that are going into these third quarters and not starting off hot. Actually, it's it's so ironic because that used to be in 2018 what the Bears are actually good at. They used to come out the third quarters hot in 2019, 2020 have not been the same result. But yeah, I would definitely put it to coaching and just execution and simple mistakes from individual players. Whether it's a Nick Foles not recognizing the play clock's expiring or Javon Williams taking a cheap shot on a player and putting themselves in a bad position. So, bunch of bad individual mistakes by a lot of people, coaches and players. And again, we talked about it in a preview, and you made a really good point where this defense needs to play almost perfect game to win. And uh, in that third quarter, the Bears gave up six points on 26 yards allowed. I don't know what more you can ask from your defense to holding Drew Brees and the Saints offense to 26 total yards on two separate drives. Um, and those, both of those ended up in a field goal. We have four plays, seven yards, and then another eight-play drive that only went 19 yards. And, again, there are some other drives, but and we'll talk about the Bears' defense in a bit, but that's in the third quarter with this Bears' offense, as I mentioned, not doing anything to help the Bears. And the third phase didn't help with that long punt return as well. Followed that up with the Nick Foles interception. Um, but again, whenever you're give, allowing just minimal yardage and you're able to come away uh, with points in offense, you're going to take that as a win. And going up against a Bears offense that has such a difficult time scoring points itself, I think that almost gets uh, exponentially uh, a little bit more you know, favorable in terms of uh, those opposing offenses. So let's talk about Nick Foles. He was 28 of 41, uh, same amount of passing attempts as a Drew Brees, three less attempts, two touchdowns today, only one interception. He was sacked five times today. Uh, offense line wasn't really his best friend, which isn't really anything new. How do you assess uh, the play from the quarterback? Man, it's it's it, this is tough for me, Will, because I think at one point – I would just say it's another it's another Nick Foles game where it's up and down. Streaky is the word when Nick Foles is streaky. That there's no better word to really describe him and how he plays this game. And I so I'll start off with the, the negative. I am so tired, Will, of seeing those terrible interceptions. Like where is like what it's he's had one almost in every single game he started. Every single mm-hmm. game he's played in, right? Where you're just questioning why. And especially because of who he is, a veteran player that's been through this many, many times. And yes, he has a bad offensive line in front of him. He hasn't had the continuity with his receivers like he would have liked to going into a season. But the decisions are his own. And the decisions are really, really bad. And that interception wasn't even close to Jimmy Graham, uh, who wasn't running very good routes all game. But still doesn't matter. The ball was nowhere near him. And I'm just, I'm really tired of seeing that, Will. Um, he's supposed to be a guy that was supposed to come in and not make those types of plays. The same plays that Mitch Trubisky would make. He's doing that too. The delay of games like I was mentioning earlier where that's on him trying to get his offensive line. This is before the headset went out too. So that's just on him not recognizing the play clock. There's no one else in the stadium. You're at home. Why are those problems still happening? That that, that irks me. It just does not sit, with, sit well with me at all, Will. But then there are the plays where he is hitting – where it can only be in one spot. The the touchdown Allen Robinson, it's a hell of a catch by Robinson, but that's that's good placement. And the Darnell Mooney deep throw. Mitch Trubisky most likely doesn't make that play because he just hasn't been able to hit a deep ball, but Nick Foles made it. So good, the bad, it's just another game from Nick Foles and another game where the Bears just didn't, they didn't come out on top with him. 
I feel like with the Bears quarterback situation, it's what do you want to be your saving grace versus what do you want to be your poison? Uh, there are definitely a few plays out there today where I feel like Trubisky makes it where Nick Foles does not. But as you just said, Nick, there are some other plays as to complete opposite. And unfortunately, I think for both of us, there are plays where no matter who's under center, we're probably expecting more or less the same kind of outcome. So uh, for me, when it came to Nick Foles, like you, frustrated with the the turnover, I f- like you, it feels like we're seeing the same thing uh, every week where there's like one of those throws where as soon as it leaves his hands, you're like, oh yeah, that's going the other direction. And it does, and it's not even... Uh, that close and then on the other side there are a few throws that get you really excited uh, whether it be the Mooney deep shot the Allen Robinson touchdown uh, a few of those balls to Miller as well for some of those first downs throughout this game get you really excited but they can't find a way to build off of those it's like cool we had a really good you know throw and catch or two and we're going to forget about those and we're going to look forward look elsewhere and we're not going to be able to build any momentum off of them so for me as great as some of the positives are and as low as some of the negatives are, I would love to find some middle ground. This, even if it's just a consistent, even keel, slightly above average, is that asking too much play out of my quarterback in Chicago? Probably. Um, but that's what I wish that we could find a way uh, to get out of here um, from Nick Foles. Again, it's something where I know he doesn't have much of an offensive line, um, but as much as that aggravates me, and I'm sure it aggravates you, there are a few of those plays when he takes sacks or if he just kind of tries to buy time and he doesn't have that same mobility as number 10. You kind of wish you do have Mitch out there who could buy a little bit of extra time, but at the same time, on top of that, who knows if Mitch can still execute and deliver on a throw after the fact. So no matter how you slice it, it's not an ideal quarterback situation. What do you think, Will, of seeing Mitch Trubisky? I loved it when I saw. I loved it. I missed him. I missed (laughs) him. I mean, when I I was typing in a few of my notes, and then I heard the cadence, and I was like, "That's Mitch." And I look up, I'm like, "Hey, it is." And you know, he was able to run it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? At the time, it was like one of our better runs of the game, and I was like, (laughs) "Okay, if that's what it's going to take, so be it." I mean, we've talked about it a little bit here on the podcast. That wouldn't be something we'd be completely opposed to. But, of course, if you expose Mitch to that degree, then you're looking at maybe Tyler Bray's your backup, which is not an ideal situation for everyone as well. But I wouldn't be opposed to the Bears. I'm surprised we didn't see it more throughout this game, honestly. They they tried it once, and they didn't try it yet again. But I don't know, Nick, how about you? I mean, I, I admittedly had a smile on my face when I saw number 10 out there. Oh, yeah, I yelled out, Trubisky's in the game, you know, watching with the family and my girlfriend. They're like, wait, what's going on? I'm like, it's just, you know, probably going to be a design run where an option, and it was, and then he goes off, and yeah, it was nice to see him, though. Um, he's been through a lot, and you you would think, why? look, this Bears offense isn't good. Why not sprinkle in some plays where he's he's out there? Like, we've seen it before when Trubisky was a starter with Chase Daniel. Like, he's, Nagy has run some of those kind of plays, you could you could sprinkle that in. Look, the Saints they do the exact same thing with Taysom Hill, and he's he's a very athletic guy, and he's you know can clearly play receiver too. The way he ran that that post pattern, so but you never know. Why not just utilize all the guys you got? I mean, I thought about it when I was coaching middle school earlier this fall when I had a little bit of a quarterback conundrum on my hands, and even then it comes to leadership um, as well. Which finally. 
a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. It's very unique to this position out of all sports. Like, you can't really run a dual system if you don't want to have some of the leadership that kind of go to the straight, which is, again, to me, it's fascinating, and I would love to look into the psychology behind that, but uh, it would be interesting if they can find a way to get Mitch Moore on the field. Looking at uh, just some of the passing game in general, Allen Robinson, uh, he caught six balls, seven targets, 87 yards, that big touchdown, as we mentioned. Uh, on top of that, Darnell Mooney had 69 yards on five catches. But really for me, Nick, uh, there's someone... Okay, so Mooney and Robinson. Robinson, thank God he was able to play. Really needed him here today. He came up with some big catches, um, including the score. Darnell Mooney, he had his biggest catch, the 50-yarder. Outside of that, a few smaller catches underneath. But your X factor, uh, and that's Anthony Miller. Uh, eight catches, 73 yards. I felt like every time Anthony Miller caught the ball today, Nick, it was an impactful play, whether it be moving the sticks on third down or what have you. Uh, what did you see from Anthony? Because I said it early on this game, you know, that I would not be opposed if this is one of those random awesome games that we get to see from number 17. And I wouldn't say that today was like one of his biggest breakout types of games. But to me, the eight catches, 73 yard looks really good in the box score. But I do think it was the impact that those eight catches had that may have a little bit more weight than really what it just looks like. Yeah, and I think it given it's what he's good at is creating separation well and when even look what set up Cairo Santos 51-yard field goal attempt was that big third down reception by Anthony Miller. It was short of the sticks, but it gave Cairo Santos enough to hit that 51-yard field goal. So to go back to your point when he makes these catches, yeah, he he can make catches in big moments. Most of the time, I would say. He did have a drop also in this game, but I would say overall, I, I liked what I saw from Anthony Miller. And if they lock up Robinson and Darnell Mooney's not there in a deep shot, where however they're using him on that given play, absolutely it should be Anthony Miller. It should be Robinson, Miller, then Mooney. I know Mooney's been impressing us, but it really how it should be is Robinson, Miller, then Mooney. That's, that's what I really do believe, even up, given Anthony Miller's up and down season so far. But seeing this he can create separation with against you know Gardner Johnson was on him a lot of the game and that's where this whole I think that Wimps thing kind of started seeing what happened there but he can make guys look just silly out there and uh, like you like you said it did happen on some of the bigger moments in the game where he caught some of those those receptions and hopefully maybe this is the the first of the three game spurt that we're going <laughs> to see from Anthony Miller right so hopefully it is they, the Bears need it clearly they do I mean, my late grandma, she always told me that, you know, everything good or bad happens in threes. And, I, you know, if this is a, this is a start, I mean, we need a very strong November now more than ever, sitting at five and three. I mean, it was, uh, what, six days ago we were sitting there at five and one. Now we're down five and three. I mean, this is the skid that we were kind of fearing here, Nick, but uh, no one would be uh, upset if this is Miller's uh, first of his big three here in a row. But 
Uh, I was very pleased with his production today, uh, as aggravated as I've been with him uh, for the better part of the last month, month and a half, and uh, hopefully he can continue to, to ball out a little bit. I thought he was someone that I, I felt like Foles was looking at a little bit more on third down uh, than I anticipated he had in this game, and uh, we'll see if that continues. Uh, someone that you already kind of uh, expressed some vocal frustration about uh, going up against his former team, Jimmy Graham. I, uh, I mean, I'm on... I mean, I'll take all of it that I can so far in this postgame show, but I had him as my uh, predicted MVB. Uh, two catches, 13 yards on seven targets, and I've been trying to scratch my head trying to figure out what the heck was happening. And it seemed like a lot of drop balls, and on top of that, he didn't seem as fiery and as passionate as we've seen him out there. It seemed a little flat, and you said earlier, if I remember you correctly, and you can uh, definitely let me know if I was uh, wrong in my assessment of what you said, but poor route running? Yeah, I would say that it seems like to me for, for some reason when Jimmy Graham, when he's not in the end zone, it's not, I don't want to ever question a guy's effort, but it just doesn't seem like he finishes the route when you're supposed to go through the middle of the field and keep on going to where you're trying to create separation from whoever's in coverage, it's like Jimmy Graham kind of waits. And even when he he did run a good enough route, not a great route, but a good enough to get the ball, the ball hits him in the hands and or into the chest and bounces off and you see some of those drops and that's why he only had two receptions on seven targets. But I just don't – when it's outside the red zone – I think the impact for Jimmy Graham drastically reduces. It it really does. Just because he's not that guy that he once was. And we talked about it going into the season. He just, he's had a really good season when he's been in the red zone. Outside of that, Will, like, we haven't seen anything from Jimmy Graham. And this game truly exemplified that that feeling I have of him where if it's not inside the twenty. Man, Jimmy Graham is I don't I don't want to say a liability, but he's just he just doesn't got it. He's not one of those guys that you you shouldn't be looking to this guy on third down. Like that shouldn't be the thing. It should be more of an Anthony Miller Robinson, those kind of things. We've had games where he's been productive on third down. Uh that's to me not the worst case scenario. Today it was. Today it wasn't his kind of game and uh I'm confused by it uh, between him Cole Komet. Obviously, the Bears got our memo that we uh, priority faxed, priority sent via USPS over to Hallis Hall about get Demetrius Harris out of the snap share, out of the target share. Uh, he's not on the box score today, but Cole Komet, one catch, two yards. Jimmy Graham's two catches, 13. So between the three of them, you got three catches and quick math, 15 yards. That's not going to cut it. That's no matter who you're facing. And the Saints was entering this week one of the worst defenses against tight ends they have allowed six touchdowns to the position a decent amount of yards no matter who they're facing each and every week and the Bears unfortunately couldn't find much production out of them and you look at a game with a few missed opportunities on some just drives if tight ends can step up you never know how this game could have been maybe flipped in the other direction but today Jimmy Graham was a liability today Cole Komet I'm happy that the refs decided that this is the week that they'll count forward progress, at least for us. Uh, I know they didn't count it on Monday night against the Rams on that one call, but uh, for us they counted it, and uh, luckily because that could have been an an easy fumble uh, for the Saints to pick up as well. And outside of that, the tight end position, which is one that they put a lot of investment in this offseason, 
again, three catches, 15 yards. Uh, definitely not what you're hoping to see out of them at all. Is there anything else about the Bears passing game that you want to talk about? We talked about early with the, uh, the ability to use some misdirection, some motion, which allowed to some easy yards underneath. Uh, when they needed to push the ball, and we usually went to Allen Robinson uh, in the clutch moment, which is really uh, no surprise for us as well. Uh, on top of that, Anthony Miller, uh, David Montgomery had a couple clutch catches, and uh, outside of that, it was pretty much non-existent. Yeah, no, definitely was. You know, to go back to the tight ends, the best play that Jimmy Graham had was when he was targeted in the red zone, drew that pass interference call. The Bears, of course, could not rush it in the first two attempts, right? Because that's the Bears' offense. They just can't do things easy. But Darnell Mooney gets his you know, his touchdown pass to the right corner of the end zone. Um, but that was the best play you saw from Jimmy Graham all night, drawing the P.I. Um, and, you know, he got past the linebacker and the – it was a high point of ball back in the end zone. That's where Jimmy Graham's good at. I'll give him that. And for the most part, he's been really good at that part all season. And I think there was an opportunity. I forgot what was the end result on the play, but Jimmy Graham, and again, I think it was Troy Aikman, Joe Buck were, were talking about it a little bit where Jimmy Graham's kind of looking. He's got one-on-one coverage. Use that big body back left corner in the end zone, and the ball wasn't thrown that way. I think Nick Foles just takes a sack. But, yeah, um, don't really want to, again, harp on anything or too much on the Spurs passing offense. It really wasn't there today, and a lot of factors play into that. But, yeah, it's still work, work to be done, Will. I saw someone, uh, you know, uh, asking the chat, isn't the tight end the focal point of this offense? Yeah, it's supposed to be. Um, that's what we've been told over the years. And uh, outside of, honestly enough, Trey Burton back in 2018 really haven't, uh, seen that and for me living in the Colts uh, TV market I saw his touchdown earlier today which is a little bit more salt in the wounds but Nick let's kind of flip it over to the Bears running game uh, primarily it went to David Montgomery 21 carries 89 yards uh, outside of that only two carries for the rest of the team one for Patterson for four another one for Trubisky for three uh, Patterson's biggest play of the game was that 38 yarder where uh, Jason Spriggs, who came into right tackle, kind of helped open up a big hole. And David Montgomery's looking around like, wait, no one's hitting me? Like, he looks so surprised. <laughs> and it was, it, I had, it had me laughing on, on, on the chair watching this game because uh, we haven't seen that. And I was excited for it. And I don't think David Montgomery expected to actually have an open hole to run through either because he's looking left he's looking right multiple he's looking behind him he's like there's no way there's someone not right up on me right luckily for him he was wrong but just seeing him look all over the field had me laughing again uh, picking up almost a a third of his yards on the ground that one play but I guess I would give it to Nagy for one thing today and that is sticking to the run game uh, more than we have seen so far this season. 21 carries for David Montgomery, uh, 89 yards. Again, maybe the per average isn't where we would like it, where we would need it, um, but he didn't ditch it. Um, and this is against a Saints run defense that was uh, top five in the NFL in terms of yards per carry allowed. And despite being down for the majority of this game, 60% of your starting offensive line, uh, he didn't shy away from it. Yeah, no, absolutely, Will. And I think... With Dave Montgomery, you even heard Troy Aikman saying it multiple times throughout the broadcast, just how good Dave, how good of a running back he could be, and what he is, what he's able to do, like gaining two yards on these tough, tough run, these plays where you're not supposed to be getting any yards, given how the the run blocking is set up for this Bears offense, and 
you know, I think David Montgomery, he's, he's capable of it, Will. It's just, it's so unfortunate that his first two seasons, he's had offensive lines that that just can't block, know, know how to execute in the scheme, what a, a multitude of things, but David Montgomery's a good running back. I don't care what anyone says. We just haven't seen it all come to fruition because he's working, he's putting everything he has to get one to two yards every single time. Are there times where he misses a hole? Yes. Are there times where he doesn't block maybe a blitzer as effectively as he should? Absolutely. But to tell you can't tell me that David Montgomery isn't good because we see how hard he works and what he can be. Just get some darn blocking. You put him at, against behind any other offensive line probably, and there's I, th- yeah the Bears have to be a little dead last, and then put him give him the thirty first ranked offensive line. See what he can do there because I'm willing to bet it's more than what he's producing here. And it was great to see him burst out for a big one and yeah i was laughing too when i saw him looking around like where are the guys at are it's supposed to have like multiple arms around me dragging yeah. me by you know everywhere but that was good to see it was nice uh unfortunately it's way far too often we get to see plays like that i mean that was the the biggest hole we probably had to run through all season long and uh speaking of the offensive line how would you grade their day uh just considering everything that they're going up against versus all the all the different variables that are kind of thrown at them with uh, losing their right tackle, losing their backup backup right tackle, and having to flux some people around and then move them back. And I don't know. It's With offensive line, your biggest opponent, besides the one that you perhaps play against every Sunday, is consistency or the lack thereof. And unfortunately for the Chicago Bears team, they have not been able to have much of that up front. Yeah, it's uh, man, that's a tough question, Will. How would I grade them? And given everything they had to go through and seeing that there were plays that that worked actually in this offense today. There were some ones that worked and Rashad Cowers blocking, so I'm surprised any plays really work given how he's played and him having to go to right tackle, left guard, like all these different positions. So I think I'd give him like a B minus surprisingly. Well I maybe that's way too generous, but we've seen this offensive line play worse and they didn't play like great or good tonight it was just they did average and maybe a little bit below that but given what they were had to deal with yeah i I give them like a b minus which is i don't know if it's generous but i just don't think that you can grade them that harshly for given what they were dealing with okay i i get you there Uh, another tough question uh we were very very vocal about matt Nagy and his play calling this week and we're not the only ones would you say he held us back again today, or was it more on the execution side? That's mm. another tough question. Well, let's go back to the halftime adjustments, third quarters. Like, that's where I think this this whole entire – that lead started to disappear. Well, it was gone. The Saints took over, right? And that's on Nagy. That's on the halftime adjustments not being made or not making the correct ones and just being out coached and things of that nature. But I'm trying to think. We, we liked what we saw in spurts with more of the motion, more of the misdirection, the play action, the deep plays, con- committing to the run. Like at halftime, it was 11 rushes to 14 passes. We liked that. And I think that's what the Bears need to have, some kind of balance. So the first half was good, but the third quarter, things got out of hand. And if you- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. 
For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Let that happen throughout a game, you almost lose it given that you know that this offense can't consistently put up points, but yet you're kind of letting it happen in that third quarter where things, like I said, uh, start to get out of hand again. So I would I would say it is uncoaching a little bit. Uh, I, I would put – man, I, I can't even give you a straightforward answer, Will, because I think it's a tough one. I think it was this is a, a team loss, to be completely honest. I can't put it all on Nagy. I can't put it all on Foles. I can't put it all on the old line. So I'll put it on all of them. They equally take – take the blame for this one i think that's really just given how this game played out what it should be yeah i think there are equal parts no matter where you're looking in this game where one unit or one positional group or coaching or just the offense in general kind of let us down i mean again i mean there are times where even the defense did as well and we're going to talk about them here soon but there are also times where they were definitely uh, not getting much help from uh, the other elements, whether it's special teams, whether it's its offense here um, in this game. But for me, Nick, you know, I asked Bears fans before this game started, you know, the Rams, I mean the Rams, uh, going back a week, the Saints uh, were one of the, one, the worst third down teams and also one of the worst red zone teams and on defense. And someone told it pretty straight in Twitter. They're like, you know, well, I don't really trust the Bears to get to the red zone, so why would I have much faith they could take advantage of a bad red zone defense? And, again, only two trips in the red zone for this Bears offense, to me, at the end of the day, still looms uh, very large and shows, uh, unfortunately, still their uh, incapability uh, of moving the ball, establishing drives, even against some of these, I'll call weaker defenses than so far we have seen over the last two, three, four weeks here. Uh, over uh, the course of this season, uh, whether it be you know bad quarterback play in a drive, offensive line play in the following one, or some coaching and some play calling decisions, time management decisions on uh, another, it really does kind of fall on everyone's shoulders uh, here, there, and uh, everywhere in between. Anything else on the Bears' offense you want to discuss, Nick, before we move on to the third quarter of our postgame show? I'm just curious to see what this offense looks like next week. Who's going to be playing? Because it seems like it's just a carousel of, of guys just coming in and out, different positions, and it's a week-to-week thing. Maybe they Cody Whitehair comes back, and that maybe provides some stability, but even he wasn't playing that great. So we'll see what it looks like next week uh, against the Titans. So be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I'll say this. As worried as I was about center Sam Mustafer and he didn't have a perfect game by any means, but he definitely wasn't as large of as a liability as I think uh, many fans, including myself, was thinking, you know, coming into this game. Did you kind of come away with that same sense? Yeah, honestly, um, like, you you know, seeing a guy make his first career start um, against a good opponent versus Saints, like, when is the bad snap going to happen? When's going to be the miscue where he's the only guy that hasn't moved and the entire offensive line has? Or, like, some of those blatant mistakes. You didn't see that from Sam Musfer. I'm sure when we go back, watch NFL Game Pass and see, we're going to see some missed blocks. It's Of course it's going to happen. It's the Bears' offensive line. But, yeah, I would say he he held his own for a first career start, and I, I think you you'll take that given what – this Bears offensive line has looked like all season. All right, Nick, with all of this, let's go ahead 
Take a breath. Move over to this uh, Chicago Bears defense that allowed uh, 394 uh, total yards today. Five and a half yards per play. Uh, 272 through the air. 122 on the ground. And before we kind of dive into positions and players and everything of that nature, uh, like we usually do, uh, what some of your just bigger picture takeaways uh, from this unit as we're now you know 45 or so minutes away from the end of this game what's kind of uh sticking to your mind that you want to discuss i think this is, you know something that i said earlier the the bears defense played good enough for this team to win uh for another offense to have their defense they would have taken advantage of some of the situations they were in when you were when the Saints are starting at their own fit that fifty yard line, or you know, in advantage them in terms of the territory, and they only come away with three points. You'll take that from the Bears defense, and I think for the majority of the game, they played well enough. Now, I don't like what we saw. What at the end of halftime, these big plays kind of happening. The whole, what is Cleo Mack supposed to really cover Alvin Kamara out of the back? Oh my gosh, like, I hated that like, play call see, so bad. That was, I think they ended up saying that it was Deshaun Gibson, Khalil Mack. There was some kind of confusion there, but any time where Khalil Mack has to go, you know cover any running back, it shouldn't it shouldn't be the thing. That's not what he does. He's a obviously one of the best defensive players in football, but no, never again. That should be destroyed, burned, and just gone from the defensive playbook forever yeah no so Nick, when i see one, those kind of things that one hurt man i mean max been dealing with an ankle and he's been very limited as it is kamara entered the game leading the nfl in scrimmage yards and i mean i'll admit that's one of my favorite plays in madden honestly you get the running back on the angle route i mean i tried implementing that in my middle school league and playing against a lot of four four defenses that kind of just hog the middle of the field never work but whenever you're running a man defense and honestly, that play would have been difficult to defend if it was, you know, Gibson knew that was his guy from the get-go, or even if it was Roquan Smith's guy, and Roquan's standing right there as the Mike backer in the middle of the field. That's still very tough to defend because as a linebacker, you're kind of holding your ground, running back runs past your face, and you have to pick up your speed in a hurry. Khalil Mack dropped back from his stance on the line, and he kind of shaded towards the outside, a little bit towards the flat. And Kamara did the angle route, and he cut towards the middle of the field. And uh, for Mack, who's backpedaling and shifting over, I think it was technically to his right, and Kamara crosses his face to the left in the middle of the field, you have to turn on a dime quick. And that's when your ability to uh, accelerate out of the break and go 0-100 to is really put to the test. Khalil Mack's great at rushing the passer, but he's not someone who's supposed to be guarding uh, a player like Kamara out in space like that. Uh, he doesn't have that kind of explosiveness and that kind of burst, in particular when you're nursing an ankle injury. So for that play to put uh, Mack on an island versus Kamara, uh, shame on Chuck Pagano. Uh, on top of that, kudos to Sean Payton. Uh, great play call at the right time. Who knows? It could have been a, an adjustment that Breeze made at the line of scrimmage as well. Um, but it really did look like Mack was going to be uh, – pressuring on that play per usual and then he kind of dropped back so uh, whatever that was uh, that play really hurt it led to some points for the Saints but like you Nick uh, that one frustrated me at, at, at no point whatsoever did I feel good about it when I saw Khalil Mack drop back three to four steps kind of shade out towards the sideline as I was watching uh, Kamara get into a route and kind of get on his break and I was holding my breath and I think rightfully so 
Yeah, it was. Um, it's still. I think I was talking to somebody on Twitter about it. Where it, we, I guess, I just um, when I saw, it, I'm like, "What's Roquan Smith doing?" But then I got clarification on it. But still, came back like, "Why is that even being called in the first place?" If you're trying to disguise something, great. Yeah, you have to do things like that. But never again. Cleo Mack shouldn't do that again. Let him do what he does best. Go get after the quarterback. And I'm glad you mentioned the ankle injury because that. It's again. There's a bunch of disadvantages on the play. Credit to the Saints for calling that on the perfect time where Mac is in coverage there because it obviously hurt the Bears there for a big, big play to Kamara. No, it, it sure did. When I'm looking at this Bears defense overall, I thought you know to hold this Saints offense in overtime to only 26 points is a win. Uh, they've been scoring about 30 points um, on average, and this is the third time they've been held under 30. Uh, this season and on top of that uh, they did a good job uh, as we've seen all year of bend but not break and of course there are some instances where they did break but unlike the last game I thought the Bears did a better job of getting the Saints into third down earlier in drives uh, which was a big issue that I had against the Rams and the Bears defense was unable to do that they were able to kind of recoup that here um, just a little bit but, Nick, when it comes to the the Rams, jeez, oh, I, I keep going back a week. Uh, when it comes to the Saints being able to put up points, again, I pointed it out when we talked about the offense. Uh, in the third quarter, a lot of short fields were given up here, uh, unfortunately, for this Bears defense, only allowing six points on only, I doubted it, on 26 yards. So I can't really fault them for that. Outside of that, what kind of led to some of these longer drives, some of these points that – uh, when we get back to the drawing board looking into uh, next week against the Titans that you want to kind of see start to get cleaned up. Well, I just didn't understand about the touchdown plays that, um, you know, went to Cook, the tight end. That was with, who was that, Jalen Johnson in coverage. I think the Taysom Hill touchdown. There was just such soft coverage on some of these plays where you're wondering, well, why is why is that why is that the, the type of defense you want to play given the situation um it just didn't make sense on there it was just too easy it was just so wide open and obviously 14 points on plays where there's defenders are not even close and this Bears defense was pretty much rallying to the ball carrier all game but on two plays where they're playing such soft coverage I just didn't understand that so obviously that that needs to be cleaned up be addressed and talked about in the meetings this upcoming week is this why is there such soft coverage uh and you're giving the middle of the field you're just giving it to them and there's just not the safety support there that you're thinking should be there or maybe again it's just not good one-on-one coverage from Jalen Johnson I think it was to Sean Gibson uh on the play so it just didn't make sense and obviously 14 points that's you know take those maybe they're only field goals if you don't give up those and we're talking about a completely different result here but yeah when those plays happen and I'm wondering where is the closest guy why is that happening and that's just what I kept on thinking about yeah I mean for me Nick when you only allow four touchdown passes through the air entering this week and uh, Taysom Hill is one of them that you allow continuing on out now it's six on the year after this game but it's like Oh, it's so deflating. Like, there's no way skill-wise he should be able to have a difference um, against this defense as a receiver. And I mean, he found his way as a runner, which did that frustrate you as it did me uh, every time he was taking a snap? Like, you just knew he was running with that football and he was able to pick it up and get some very vital, uh, you know, uh, gains there to, to move the sticks because 
for me, every time I saw him as a quarterback, I was like, well, he's not running it. You know he's going to – I mean, he's not passing it. You know he's going to run it. And the Bears, unfortunately, were unable to even make much of a play on that as well. And what makes me kind of frustrated more about it is the fact that I know he's an X-Factor each and every week, but, Nick, we didn't really talk about him too much in either our Meet the Opponent episode or our game preview show. Yeah, no, we didn't. And maybe, I don't know if that's just on us for, for not, you know, giving him his time is due. But, yeah, it just, it seemed, when he was in the game, it's like, okay, Taysom Hill's going to get it. And the Bears just had no answer to stop. And I think that's, see, that's where you, when you have a good offensive line, Will, like a defense can know what's coming and just not be able to block it or to get in the way and fill the gaps effectively because you have good run blockers. And that's why a guy like Taysom Hill is able to take advantage of that. He's not... He's not like moving and making people. He's taking what the what the offensive line's giving him and just hitting the hole and getting his seven eight yards on a third down conversion. I think that was the first one of the game or close to it. So he it's not like he's doing or Sean Payne's even doing complex things in that aspect when he's on the field. It's it's pretty, you know, I would say common and the Bears just couldn't stop it. So um, we talked about this defensive front and it's had its problems stopping the run and when we need them to kind of show up when he was right or when it, when it was Kamara Miller whoever Latavius Murray sorry um they just couldn't get there in position to make those stops and we've kind of seen that all season when it came to stopping the run okay so inability to stop the run which I'm honestly pleased that you're able to keep Kamara as limited as he was I mean he finished with a lot of total yards today between his uh, 96 receiving and uh, 67 on the ground. I mean, that's 150-plus uh, total yards from scrimmage, but he also entered the game leading the NFL in that regard, and that doesn't overly surprise me. I think what surprised me a little bit, and I know the Saints have been good at protecting Drew Brees all season, though, was only one sack, and on top of that, only two quarterback hits. Uh, really were unable to generate... Um, a lot of pressure so Nick two-part question one did that surprise you and be how impactful was that throughout this game yeah because I thought the Bears were close on a couple of those opportunities where you're thinking Drew Brees is going to go down and they just couldn't hit home and is it a good I would say it's a good offensive line but still it's like the way this this front has been playing um maybe not in particular like on Monday night but for um, the two previous games, they, they were getting after the quarterbacks, right? But they just couldn't bring that to happen against the Saints. And I think we need to start talking about Robert Quinn and really, well, where is he? Where's the impact? This who? guy that they paid, the yeah, exactly, who? The big ticket free agent that was supposed to be the reason that this defense is going to take the next step because they can get a pass rush opposite of Cleo Mack. That hasn't been there. It has not been there. And you know, we, we talked about the frustration seeing Leonard Floyd last Monday night have an excellent game against the Bears and outshining a Robert Quinn. And then you come out in this game here where Robert Quinn, you don't even notice 94 out there. You don't, I have him for a couple of good run stops. I do. He's in the notes there. But not as much as he should be. And I'm not blame, putting all the blame on, on Robert Quinn. But... At what point is he supposed to make an impact? Is it like week 16 when the Bears have already squandered their playoff hopes or something at that point? Like, when does he make an impact? Because it hasn't happened so far. Well, you, you got me in the last game. I was like, where's Robert Quinn? You're like, well, he made the forest fumble, Will. <laughs> Again, but no, Nick, Robert Quinn, he's made some very nice plays this season. 
And the unfortunate part, those are like the only plays that he's making this season. And he's not making the, you know, the average plays, the plays that you need every defensive end to make. And the fact that I saw, you know, a few times today where they're putting him on the left side of the defense, which is something he primarily never does. Uh, really was interesting because I wonder if it's just they really wanted Mac on the right side because they had a hunch where this play was going to go, and Mac was able to make a few plays over there um, as well. I think we're seeing Mingo allowed out there a lot more than uh, perhaps I think we anticipated entering this season, and I think it's not really to the testament of Mingo being a great, great player. It's more of Quinn not really holding his own and being the type of dynamic player that we were hoping to as well. But I think that's one of my biggest frustrations on defense um, is the lack of play from Robert Quinn. And I know he's made some splash plays, but I would love to see him just do some boring stuff. And that's me putting it bluntly, some boring stuff out there. uh, So I can feel more confident with him on the field instead of having to play number 50 uh, a little bit more than we have so far this season. Um, on top of that, Nick, my X-Factor or my back-breaking matchup uh, was Roquan Smith versus Alvin Kamara. And I thought there were some, a lot of plays where Smith won this matchup uh, in terms of getting out to the flat, blowing up a few screens, blowing up a few just uh, you know dump-offs, uh, some checkdowns over to number 41 for the Saints. But that's just my quick assessment based off a few plays that I had to stand out. What's your take on Roquan Smith versus uh, Alvin Kamara out of this game? Honestly, well, I thought it was just a good matchup. Like, what we were talking about, we wanted to see, if anything, them take... One of these guys was going to win uh, either matchup here. So, I think that's what we kind of saw. Uh, you saw Kamar get, you know, where he was able to win or gain gain yardage on whether it was a run play or pass play, whatever it may have been. But Roquan Smith was flying sideline to sideline, Will, and just playing coverage on a guy that's that's hard to cover, to be completely honest. And when he's down the sidelines, I know Drew Brees gets hit on the play. He's not able to complete the ball. But Roquan Smith is right there, down the right sideline, covering a guy that gives a lot of people trouble. So, honestly, it was just a fun matchup to watch more than anything. So, I would – I look, maybe 50-50, but I, it, was, it was something that was really, really close and a good matchup between, I think, two good players. Yeah, uh, some people were saying that our stream kind of stopped. I guess the same time that my microphone issue was kind of happening. So uh, if the stream did stop for you, I apologize for that. Uh, I kind of just kind of picked it up here on my own. And uh, Nick and I, we've still been talking about this Bears defense, uh, venting about Robert Quinn. Uh, just kind of switched over to uh, Roquan Smith versus Alvin Kamara as well. And uh, hopefully the technology plays nice for us as we kind of finish up. Uh, this post-game show a little bit more than the Bears did for us so far today. But, Nick, is there anything else on this Bears defense, uh, good, bad, ugly, otherwise, that you want to make sure we talk about? Yeah, I do want to talk about um, something that has been mentioned before with this Bears defense and why it's def- it's not the 2018, de- 2018 defense, and that's just capitalizing on potential turnovers. Roquan Smith was in a position right there against Cook uh, late in the game I don't know if that was overtime yet. Um, yeah, no, it's overtime. It was a second and 12 play. Roquan Smith is right there, Will. He maybe gets a get away with pulling on, on Cook's jersey, but he gets in front of that pass from Drew Brees and easily could have intercepted it. And then Eddie Jackson, look, we've seen Eddie Jackson make some incredible plays, and that one where he jumps the route towards the right sideline, yeah, he's he can easily 
make that interception as well, but they both didn't. The Bears end up losing the the field goal, the game-winning field goal eventually happens. But those are plays from, I would say, the 2018 defense collectively as a whole they make. They make those plays because that's just the type of year they were having. 2020, where you see these these times where they're elite, and then these times where they're like, okay, they're a good unit. That I don't know. Maybe those two plays are emblematic of what this season's been like. They're there, but they don't finish. And I don't want to put really a lot of blame on this defense because they're the only reason that Bears are in any of the games they play. But we've seen those two guys just make those plays in the past, and they didn't make them... uh, today against the New Orleans Saints so that's just another point I wanted to bring up you wouldn't say the Bears defense is out there too much today right I mean I saw that a few times in the chat but when you come down to it the time of possession was only two minutes in favor of the Saints over the Bears offense and I know that the Bears unfortunately were put in some bad positions like we said on top of the show with some very short yardage but I wouldn't say the Bears defense is out there too much or if it was in terms of too much based off of what the offense was unable to do if anything they had a hard time getting off the field in some drives yeah no I would say for for the defense like they were put in some bad positions where they're they have again coming out of halftime that's where these bad positions start for the defense because of what the offense the Bears offense is doing but yeah in terms of what you were saying time of possession it was only two minutes different so the actual time wasn't but it seemed like I guess the opportunities they were in it makes it seem worse than what it was if that makes sense Will but yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the Bears defense was out there too long not this game most games yes that is the case no no doubt about it but this one in particular, I wouldn't say that was that was the reason. Okay. I don't think I have too much more here on this Bears defense. I mean, the Saints are only 2 of 13 on third down. And I want to make sure I mention this because, A, this Bears defense has been lights out on third down all year long. Secondly, the Saints entered this game with the NFL's best red zone well one of the best red zone offenses but they did also enter the game with the best third down offense in the nfl and the bears only allowed them to score on two out of 13 third downs and it's real funny nick that it's yet another game where i'm curious is it is it lack of fear of the bears offense or is it just pure necessity of going up against this bears defense where teams feel like they have to go for it on fourth down each and every week against this Bears. I think I saw a graphic on the Saints' first fourth down conversion that they only went for it four times all year. And they ended up going for it three times in this game alone. And I feel like it's starting to be, as much as it's shade against this Bears offense because you don't fear them, and that's totally understood. But I also think it's necessity going up against this Bears defense that is so lights out on third down you almost need that extra down to perhaps even extend your drives yeah that could definitely be it I I honestly just believe that teams are looking at the offense on the other side like ah let's go for it they're not gonna do anything (laughs) even if we don't get it like we can you know they they turn over the ball and hypothetically they're five they're only gonna get get to the four and have to kick a field goal or something like that so I think it really is just the lack of respect for the Bears offense and hey, teams should be looking at it like that until the Bears prove they can do something and capitalize on plays, and why not get an extra down and utilize it? It's tough against this Bears defense. You're going to make every down tough, but yeah, I would if I'm an opposing team, I will look at to take a little bit more fourth down opportunities than you would normally. 
All right. Well, hey, uh, there you go. I mean, I, I think it's maybe a combination of the two. Again, the this Bears defense is one of the best on third down. I think second in the NFL entering this week. And if that's the case, teams are going to have to go for it on fourth if they want to have uh, much of a life force. But, Nick, before we jump into the fourth quarter of our show, talk about special teams and kind of wrap things up, uh, you want to make sure to let people know how they can help support us uh, as we kind of move forward, I know you got a. Did you get your green screen over the weekend? By the way, I did get my green. I started opening it today, and it looked too complex, so I saved it for <laughs> later in the week. Um, I did get that, and again, this goes to um, what you guys help us with, and just sending in these donations. And of course, if you guys send us a donation, we'll give you a shout out on the preview podcast. So here's how you can make this happen. Real quick reminder: if you want to support the podcast in any means possible, you can send us. Um, a donation through Venmo or PayPal. For Venmo, the the account is at the Chicago Audible. You should see my name and the Chicago Audible logo. And on PayPal, that's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Like Will was saying, we got a green screen. We have some fun things that we're thinking of trying here. I just got to get things actually set up on my end, and it should be good to go. But from the software, the the lighting, the microphones, these headphones, like all this is through your guys' help in making this this show happen. So if you want to, one, get a shout-out and help us out, you can do that by sending us a donation. And one last time, on Venmo, that's at the Chicago Audible. And on PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. I know we got a couple of Super Chats uh, in this show, which is awesome. I'm going to go back. You're going to get a shout-out on our preview show. Uh, unfortunately, I can't scroll far enough upstream <laughs> in terms of our comments because there's so many live viewers to find out who you were uh, to give you those shout-outs. So if you're like, hey, I want one, those do come in our preview shows. So uh, keep uh, an eye out for that as well. And uh, I want to thank everyone who has donated. Um, and also, you know, we are in episode, uh, you know, like 513, 514, something like that. And I've been waiting to send out these thank you cards uh, over the last couple of weeks. And the card stock I had these bad boys printed on. It was back ordered. Finally came in here on Saturday. I uh, wrote a bunch and sending them out over on Monday, although I'm sure that the United States Postal Service is going to be swamped uh, this week. It was probably more important mail than just our thank you cards, but uh, if you emailed us, tweeted us, Facebooked us, uh, whatever, however you reached out for your thank you card and you've been wondering, hey, where is it? Uh, just got the stuff in the mail, finally uh, writing those out, sending them out this week. So uh, keep your eyes peeled in your inbox, whether that's here in the United States or also abroad, as there are uh, a good chunk of you uh, across the world that uh, requested yours as well. And I, I mentioned I would not shy away from uh, having to pay some international postage to get you a, a pretty awesome looking Chicago Audible thank you card. And uh, so with that, uh, thanks everyone who has donated. I look forward to giving uh, plenty of shout outs here for our preview show. And let's go ahead, Nick, and move into the fourth quarter of our show. And let's talk about special teams. And let's talk about Dwayne Harris. Uh, his first punt return went from 12 yards, which was uh, the longest of the season for us. And hooray, Ted Ginn Jr. is uh, deactivated from the active roster. And on top of that, a double hooray for uh, Dwayne Harris giving us a punt returner. And even the returns that he wasn't getting a ton of yards him actually fielding a putt and falling forward and not allowing the thing to bounce 15, 20 yards backwards, which uh, was just such a an awesome sight to see. And you kind of forget how important or even 
uh, just how much you do need some of those plays until you kind of see them happen. No, absolutely. When seeing Dwayne Harris get underneath the punt and actually catch it, that was that was great to see. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> you had you hadn't seen that from Ted Ginn Jr. And when we saw that he was inactive, obviously going into today's game, it's like, well, good because it was about time they have a guy that's willing to catch these punts and twelve. Will when you said that twelve yards was the longest one they had, oh. I know we. I know Ted Kidd Jr. was the guy back there, but man, that was that was surprising to hear. That's that's gonna change, I think, with him back there. And I'm not saying he's like the game changer or anything, but he's just he's willing to do it. He's willing to actually get underneath the punt, and it's not that obviously the easiest thing to do on a football field to look straight up in the air while guys are going down at full speed to hit you, but. He's he's willing to do that, and he was also on 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 the kickoff team. And I saw that like right away. It's like, man, this guy just got signed a couple of days ago, and he's already uh, making his mark on special teams. That was great to see. Yeah, no, he was more and less all over the field in the third phase. I saw Sharon McManus back today as well, and uh, he didn't have big impactful plays, but I think he ended the game healthy, which for us I think is a big win for someone that's been dealing with injuries uh, all season long, and for all of the wind that took place today and there were uh, between both teams eight field goals made and on our side um, every single one of them uh, went between the uprights including the 51 yarder from Cairo Santos so Nick I know we've been talking about Santos really solidifying his spot uh, here as the Bears kicker and I think another outing like this uh, with the elements kind of helps take that and uh, just cement it just a little bit more Uh, is there anything else on the third phase that you want to make sure we discuss today I thought that uh, just Dwayne Harris himself uh, and not being uh, Ted Ginn Jr. was enough for us. And <laughs> Also, did you notice that it was uh, a D. Harris that was returning punts for each team? I did not notice that until you pointed it out, so now I do. But um, one last thing to mention, obviously Cordell Patterson did not have the game I was expecting. My bold prediction, what I say, two kickoff return touchdowns, that did not happen for Cordell Patterson. <laughs> he did have a delay game. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it on his end on one of the punts um that's just how that one drive was going for the bears everything that could go wrong was going wrong but yeah it wasn't the impactful day for cordell paris in any aspect that i was kind of expecting for today's game all right let's move on to our uh let's call an audible nick uh in this segment each and every week we kind of look at a, a moment of the game one that we would take back and uh, maybe have a, a do-over on or change it up uh, for me, I'm going to go ahead and give it to uh, Nick Foles' interception uh, here with the game tied at 13-13. Uh, forced the throw, uh, one of those that we've talked about that you feel like you see one of those a week from Nick, and uh, unfortunately that gave the Ram. Jeez, uh, I keep going back a week. The Saints the ball at uh, the, the Bears' 39 inside the Bears' territory, which uh, allowed them to uh, take the lead 
And uh, I think a game like this where uh, each point counts, uh, every short field matters. And we talked about the Bears' defense had to face uh, a few of those, maybe more than we would ever like to see in any given game, even though we expect them. Uh, that interception at the point hurt me, uh, I think, the most out of all the negative plays I saw today. So that's going to one I wish I could take back. But how about you? If you can call an audible, what would it be? Man, this is a tough one. I was going to say the Nick Foles interception, but I'm looking at the the one drive where they start. It's at Chicago's 43-yard line, and um, it ends up being a five-play, 21-yard drive. But on third down, they're in a third and six. Not the best, but it's not definitely the worst third down situation to be in. But you have the, the false start by Jimmy Graham. You go to third and 11. Nick Foles ends up completing a pass to Anthony Miller. They end up going for it on fourth down. It's a fourth and five at that that moment in time they don't convert it's at the new orleans 36 takes some no points on the board obviously the next possession the the saints get the ball they capitalize on that and turn into a touchdown it's so simple plays simple is not moving before the ball is snapped and that's jimmy graham a veteran player and so i mean that would be the one play i would change the bears most likely don't even get anything out of this drive just given the offense and how it's played but see what they can do in a third and six and they had the mindset they were going for it on fourth down anyway maybe pick up three yards you have to pick up two with the running game of david montgomery uh, who knows but it was all taken away because you go to third and 11 you have to complete a shorter pass in a fourth down and five bears don't get it and again like i said the next possession for the saints they end up scoring a touchdown to make the lead 23 to 13 at that point and game kind of got out out of reach as, as we we would come to see Luckily for us, they came back, but uh, overtime kind of turned things the other way. Uh, to wrap things up, Nick, I'm curious who is going to be um, our MVB so far in this game. I got that so far. The game's over. Who's going to be your MVB for the Bears here in uh, in Week 8? And I'll let you go first. You know what? I really liked how Roquan Smith played today, Well, I think given the matchup with Alvin Kamara – and seeing that it was maybe like 50-50 in terms of who was winning some of these matchups and seeing that he was flying all over the field. He should have had an interception that would have changed the game, obviously, completely if he does over there in overtime. But he was reading screens. He was filling lanes. Like, he was he was active. And that's what you, that's the Roquan Smith you want to see. It really is. And um, just given his, his game overall against a, a team that's not easy to play against, especially given the two running backs in the backfield, I'll give it to Roquan Smith. You're going to go Roquan Smith. You're going to go defense, which I think is 110% deserving. I'll flip it around. I'm going to go ahead and I'm torn between two offensive players. I'll give it to David Montgomery uh, just because I thought he was able to get more on the ground than so far we've seen. Maybe this should go to Matt Nagy for actually running with him. Uh, more than we've seen so far this season. But uh, I thought Montgomery, whether it be the early third down pickup, the big 38-yarder that we saw in this game as well, and uh, there are a few other big-time runs for him. Uh, I was very uh, excited by what I saw. Could have easily went A-Rob too, but uh, especially with that touchdown. But I want to give some love to David Montgomery. I think he deserves it. I think a lot of fans are getting uh, soured on him. I was frustrated after the last game, even though I know offensive line is not helping us uh, really too often as well. So for me – uh, I'll give it to Montgomery. Uh, didn't get up any points or anything like that, but he definitely helped this Bears offense move 
uh, down the field, which it's had a hard time doing so far uh, this season. But I like Roquan a lot. A uh, big reason why he was my backbreaker matchup, and uh, since he took him, I figured we'd split the side of the field. And let's go ahead and talk about uh, the Bears' offense. And Robinson, heck, I mean, Mooney has some big catches as well, including his touchdown. Miller had the big ones, the clutch ones uh, on third down that helped move the stick. So uh, not that I would say there's a lot of, quote, deserving players, but there are some players that were released in uh, contention where, unlike last week, Nick, we're both kind of like, uh, I don't know where this <laughs> thing goes. So at least that's somewhat progress. But for now, Nick, let's go ahead and uh, let's wrap things up today with our uh, two-minute warning, and let's close the show. So what's going to be your two-minute warning? Yeah, well, I, look, this was um, a 26-23 to 23 ball game. Bears lose their second one in a row to two NFC teams. So this, is, this, this loss does hurt the Bears, but, look, they're still in contention for the NFC North. Um, we saw the offense do – look, compared to the Monday night's game, they did – I would say they did a lot of things that we want to continue to see from them. And we talked about that enough where the motion, misdirection, big plays. We want to continue seeing that. Even establishing a little bit the run with David Montgomery. But we talked about the halftime. It was 11 runs to 14 passes. Continue that, Matt Nagy. And I know it's tough with the offensive line that's in front of Nick Foles right now. But there's still the same issues as well on that offense. And I think all these miscues on offense, these failed opportunities to maybe extend a lead or even to get points... That is is affecting the defense. That has to do so much, and we talked about it. Well, they almost need to play perfect. Uh, they have to almost be elite on every single series to really give this Bears team a chance to win. And they they weren't that today. They weren't even that today, and it was only a three-point ball game. If the offense could just pick up its weight or just to do a, average is all we're striving for, even a little bit below that, this Bears team would be in so much better of a position. The Saints are, are no pushover. I, I would say they haven't played their best ball, but you saw they they were in it with with one of the teams that's most likely going to be in a playoff position come the end of the season, right? And it was a close game, but and and unless the Bears can fix maybe a few of those problems, I don't think they can fix all of them. They can't. There, I think there's just too many along this offense right now. They're going to be in more of these positions where it might have to go to overtime, but at least they'll be there at the end and. That's all you can really ask for. Um, it's a loss. Obviously, we're not going to have that victory Monday. Um, but we'll have to wait till till next Sunday against the Titans. Um, I'm feeling, I'll say this, after this loss, I am feeling better than I was after Monday night's loss. Because Monday night, you couldn't take anything positive and take it f- to next week. This, you can take some some positives into next week. Grand, you'd like to do take some positives with the win, you could still find some positives in a loss, and I think this one you actually can, which is surprising. So I go a little bit more optimistic for, for this two-minute warning, but I'll leave it at that and hand it over to you, Will. Like you, I feel better uh, than I did <laughs> yeah. at the Monday night loss. Maybe it's earlier in the evening since we had an earlier kickoff, so we're not as tired on top of watching our team lose. But um, I do think there were at least this game – was decided in you know a last second kind of play um in overtime where uh, a week ago it was you can tell that things were pretty much uh, a lost cause uh in the second half and the bears even though they went down 10 they found a way to come back find a way to tie it up they kind of fought back today against a very good uh, saints team so i think seeing that resiliency kind of show itself yet again uh does kind of bring a little bit more positivity to the loss 
Um, and again, if overtime goes a little bit of a different way where the offense does something after the defense starts overtime uh, getting the ball back, we can be talking about a Bears win. And if that's the case, I think our entire tune uh, for the majority of the show would have been probably a little bit more positive and a little bit differently as well. And it would have been an ugly lo- uh, win, but an ugly win's better than an ugly loss. And uh, we already know that one is uh, is for certain. Um, but unfortunately, I think where I'm kind of sitting is again six days ago we were five and one, and now we're sitting here at five and three, and we have a very tough game coming up here against the Titans. Uh, the Bears showed yet again today that running backs can be a big difference maker against this offense. And uh, Derrick Henry next week uh, already going to probably going to have a nightmare tonight, uh, thinking about the game coming up, uh, envisioning how the Bears are going to kind of slow him down uh, in Nashville uh, a week from today. And it's a very important game. We just saw the the Vikings before this Bears game uh, kind of take things over to the Packers. I know it came down to a, a Hail Mary attempt at the end and Green Bay ended up losing, but I think the Vikings showed that even though they're doing a fire sale and they're pretty much looking forward to their future, they're not going to make uh, their game easy by any stretch of the means as well. So we have two big games before the bye, and if the Bears drop both of them, you're looking at 500 at the bye, and 500 at the bye after starting 5-1 and one is going to feel like like hell. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, um, but it's going to feel really, really bad, and hopefully the Bears don't get in that situation, but they have a, uh, some tests in front of them in order to avoid that. And uh, with the woes up front, whether it be Bobby Massey, Cody White here, uh, we already know James Daniels out for the year. Uh, those can continue to really hurt us as we look forward. And uh, this defense, I think, Nick, you pointed out, can't carry us to the same degree that the 2018 defense did. It's going to be up this offense to find something more. And I don't think either of us have a lot of confidence that it can find that something more, at least consistently enough, uh, to make a real serious run at the 2020 season. And we'll talk about that here as we kind of look forward. Again, we're only halfway through, uh, so we kind of kind of reset some expectations and recalibrate as we kind of look forward. But for a team that was a, an ugly five and one team to now a oh boy where are we going five and three team as quickly as it did uh it kind of has me in my heels as i'm trying to figure out what kind of team uh we get to cover for the rest of this season so that's going to be my two minute warning i want to thank everyone uh who's here watching the live stream uh i'm glad that it was able to kind of find itself back here after a little bit of technical difficulties uh, i want to make sure that you subscribe to our youtube channel if you haven't yet that way you can watch each and every one of our shows when we go live uh, make sure to rate review our show on apple Podcasts. that way you can help us find uh, more bears fans just like you up next i know nick and i we're going to be beginning our homework start looking at the game next sunday um, against the tennessee titans uh, I think we're also looking at a mid-season report card type of episode this week, so uh, definitely stay tuned for some bonus content from us here uh, throughout the week. But, uh, Nick, it is now officially uh, two and a half hours until my birthday, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a little sad uh, after uh, everything that we watched tonight. You know, I was born during a Bears loss against the Vikings on Monday Night Football, and I'm going to be going to bed tonight. Uh, with the Bears loss. So nothing changes after being on this planet now for 20, almost 28 <laughs> years. And I guess uh, that's a, a life lesson in of itself. But uh, I'm ready to look forward to next week. I don't know about you. Yeah, uh, hopefully they can change the direction in your mood by the end of the week come Sunday. And it'll take a while, but hopefully that's the case, Will. And just to say it here early, happy birthday, Will. And hopefully your week gets better from here. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, we will try it. Thank you for the birthday wishes, man. Uh, we'll see how it all goes here on Monday. But uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in again. Uh, look out for some content from Mick and I uh, throughout this week. Uh, in case you need the final score again, Bears lose 26-23 here in overtime against the New Orleans Saints. We're going to be looking on to the next half of our season here in just a couple short days. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.